Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening again, and welcome to today's episode of Adam Learns Random Stuff. Today, I'm speaking with two people for the first time. Uh, one is Locke Wynn. He is an enabler of greatness and the founder of the Beyond Zed Collaborative, which we'll be discussing today. The other person I'm talking to is Damani Musgrave, who is a technology educator extraordinaire, a very good friend, and the founder of Redline Solutions, which is a technology consulting firm. So welcome, Locke and Damani. Thank you so much for being on. And let's chat. Sounds good, Adam. Hey, thanks for uh, spending the time here with us this morning and uh, excited to see where this conversation leads. Thank you. So nice to be talking with you both today. Thanks, Damani. So I think to kick it off, I'd like to learn a little bit, Locke, about the Beyond Zed Collaborative that you founded recently. I'm honored to have been invited to be a member in it, even though I'm not sure what it's really about. So it'll be great to learn that. Right on. So Beyond Zed is an interesting sort of experiment that uh, was kicked off maybe three weeks ago at this point. So like you said, it's very much uh, something new to this world. But uh, Damani and I in particular have been, ta- have been speaking quite a bit about this over the last few weeks. And um, its origination is a part of really who I am as a person. You mentioned the fact that I am an enabler of greatness. I don't know if that's the extent of my uh, superpowers, <laughs> but uh, I do like to think that I can and, and have helped people in the past you know, develop better versions of themselves in many ways. And that relates mm-hmm. to educational opportunities, as well as just personal growth and professional development. And before uh, Beyond Zed was a thing, I was thinking a lot about education and how it hasn't really worked for one of my daughters who's a Downs Mm -hmm. kid and who Mm -hmm. has uh, gone through a lot of uh, special education, special day Mm -hmm. type of environment at school. Yeah. And so I was thinking, well, from A to Z, that's kind of what we as a community, as a global community think of in terms of education. You know, let's go from A to Z, Mm -hmm. teach someone the alphabet. And so when I thought about what she needed, it kind of occurred to me that she needs to go beyond Z and to Mm. another type of paradigm, another type of an experience where it might not exist today, but it's certainly something that she needs as a part of her life. And to an extent, I think a lot of people in this world could benefit from Mm -hmm. a new paradigm like this, something fresh and and modern and sort of relevant to today's world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny that we didn't know until this conversation. um, I actually work for two agencies that provide care for people in the intellectual and developmentally disabled community. So that's what I do for work. (laughs) So it's pretty fascinating that that's uh, something that you are looking to, to help for your daughter. Um, Damani, can you tell me a little bit about why you were interested in Beyond Zed and what your, what your sort of feeling bringing into the beginning of it was? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, Locke, I think I met Locke, um, maybe like three, four years ago, something like that when I was working for Skilljar, um, and, uh, learning management software, uh, platform. And there was just something about your energy that really, you know, I just wanted to kind of connect to. We uh, connected to one another on LinkedIn and stayed attached. Um, I'm the son of two educators. I'm the son of an immigrant. And education has been enormous. It's been huge throughout my whole upbringing. Um, And so, you know, 
as as a professional, I try to bring people from that moment of, gosh, I can't imagine being able to do X, whatever X is. Maybe it's something in software or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. Love to be able to bring them from that mental moment to, I just did X and I'm ready mm -hmm. to do the next the next five things. I killed it. You know, <laughs> that's that's it's an amazing feeling. And so, you know, when I had the chance to really reconnect with Locke and we started talking about this together and, and, I, and I heard what he wanted to build and why, it just resonates so much with me. Um, and so I'm really excited to pour some energy and some passion into, this, uh, into this, this effort that you put together, man. It's really exciting. It really is. So, and this could, either of you probably could answer this, um, but I might ask Locke first. Um, in terms of where you're looking to go beyond Zed, how does that how does that take shape? What does that mean in terms of how to transform learning, development, education into something a little bit or a lot different than what a lot of us traditionally feel has been offered to us or available in the world? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, something that uh, this collaborative has actually enabled me to do quite a bit over the last few weeks, which is talk about just ideas and, and thoughts on what this this entity or this new paradigm could possibly be. And lo and behold, one of the ideas that is really resonating with folks is taking education into the metaverse. And mm -hmm. I'm not a huge uh, mm -hmm. metaverse person. I, I rarely mm -hmm. have ever spoken to anyone about these type of concepts, but um, it resonates quite a bit, right? Like it's a modern location or experience that mm -hmm. that people are part of and increasingly a part of. So what if we can somehow take education and bring it into that world so that it can be experienced in a much more relevant, much more modern way? Mm. Yeah. That's really and neat. Just to, just to um, dovetail with that, when uh, Locke told me about that idea. I think that came from another person in your network. And uh, when you told me about it, I just like, I got extremely excited. Um, and it's because, you know, the other part of me, you know, big part of me is an educator. The other part of me is this gaming nerd um, throughout my <laughs> whole life. And I've always been into games. I've always been into virtual environments and virtual mm -hmm. communities. Um and so it was really exciting. It was very, very interesting. You know, I mean, like the one that comes to my mind, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about this if, if it happens, if it comes up, is Second Life. It's been around for a mm -hmm. long time. And it's, it's really interesting. You know, we heard Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, talk about this release of Meta and all this stuff. He didn't even he really hasn't alluded to Second Life very much or to mm -hmm. other uh, extremely successful attempts or at least attempts at at a metaverse before, so it's it's interesting. Um, mm. But yeah, I think I think the value of a virtual learning environment is it can remove the me, it can remove the ego, and it can allow me to express myself in whatever makes me most comfortable, which brings me closer to the learning. That's what's most important. One of the most important things, I think. Yeah, that's super. You know, it's it's funny. I think that um, one of the things that uh, Locke posted right after Damani connected me with Locke um, fairly recently. And right after that happened, Locke had posted this uh, uh, article he had written about Anthony Bourdain and what a great educator he was. And I had never thought about him that way. 
and sort of transforming that into the idea of experiential learning through virtual environments. You know, I think a lot of us, myself included, are like, great, Facebook is going to like build a metaverse where they control everything. Oh, God, it seems like entirely dystopian (laughs) to me. But the idea that you could use this for like, okay, instead of, you know, having a metaverse that's built around selling you more crap or selling your data to somebody else about what you do in the metaverse, you could build one or build an environment where it's about providing experiences that people can learn from without explicitly thinking they're learning from them. And I think that's the implicit learning piece, I think is sounds really important and fascinating and how to leverage that. Yeah. And I'll add to that the fact that learning in that type of uh, a model doesn't have to be uh, at any moment in time, right? It doesn't have to be constrained. You can learn through just experiencing life as Anthony Bourdain uh, so eloquently uh, exposed to us. So you can do the same thing in the metaverse, potentially. You can just learn by being there and talk about experiential learning. It's just surrounding you with content and information and you create the the mental model yourself, you know, based off of all of that information. It's super powerful, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it, an interesting thing that occurred to me back when I jumped into that that metaverse second life a while ago, there's this large component of programming, of coding that is mm-hmm. in that universe. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so neat and it's it's relevant right now with a lot of folks changing careers and being interested in programming. This this um natural learning can occur in these environments. So you can have just to describe it very simply, you can have your little avatar and you can exist in a place in a metaverse mm-hmm. in Second Life, for example. But you can cause things to happen. So maybe you want to be in a different location. So you teleport there or Mm -hmm. maybe you spawn something or you create an Mm -hmm. object and cause that object to have some behavior like floating or bouncing. It's, it's so interesting. It's like it truly is a sandbox, um, because it's Mm. a created environment with these things. So these, it's, it's so exciting. I definitely encourage folks, if you haven't thought about just dipping your toes into a metaverse kind of environment, there are those out there. You can jump into Second Life for free right now. We don't have to wait for Mark Zuckerberg to create this whole architecture of, again, of commerce around this kind of environment. You can get in there right now. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think that so many of these things, frankly, and that's true, I think, of lots of things in the technology world or the, you know, the world in general are generated because of somebody's profit motive, right? You, you, you create this thing because you want to make money on it. And I feel like there's something a little bit subversive about using it for something else. You know, the idea that you can make, you know, you could, you could make something, an environment in Second Life or an environment in some other, you know, virtual world where it's not about generating cash at all. It's about generating ideas or generating learning. You know, I know that one of the ways that I've ever been able to learn something complicated is basically just banging my head against it and seeing the building blocks that other people have put together, taking them apart and putting them together in the way that I need to, to accomplish my task. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, Damani, with the programming aspect of something like Second Life is you're kind of doing that implicitly. You're putting these things together and building blocks to accomplish what you want. 
But at the end, you start to get an idea of how those things logically work in programming and in, in, in technology environments. Absolutely. And just to add one other thought on there, even beyond the idea of programming and that kind of thing, being able to connect with people that are potentially at a very, you know, very mm -hmm. different place in the world and maybe different kind mm -hmm. of person than yourself, you learn a lot from them as well. Maybe you learn right. something about their language or their culture or their holidays, something like that. So even beyond this idea of a structure like a second life, just being able to have that long distance connection is super important. And there's so much learning that happens there too. So I just want to add that in too. Yeah, I think that, you know, the points you guys are bringing up here are, are so relevant to the purpose of Beyond Zed, which is still sort of being articulated now. And Damon and I have spoken at length about this, you know, what is, what are we here to do? What's the essential intent of Beyond Zed? And it, it's going to be a sort of a, a process and a journey to kind of figure that out and narrow that down. But I think that just from hearing you guys talk, it really reinforces the the point that Beyond Zed is more so than anything else, a, a think tank, a place for people to come mm -hmm. and to discuss and to have conversations like this and to really start to formulate these, these ideas. And hopefully at a point in time, we'll take those ideas and, and take them out of the abstract. But for now, it's, this is such a heady topic, you know, like what's, what's education going to evolve mm -hmm. into and I think that part of the journey of this think tank is to is for us to have these conversations and and to come back to them and to add to them and, and to get to a place where you know we're not going to all agree, obviously, but at least a place where we can definitively definitively say, okay, let's go with this, let's take it out of the abstract, and let's build something off of these ideas. Yeah, you yeah, know, one hundred percent. As you were talking, I was really thinking about, you know, before the podcast, we talked a little bit about sort of why I started doing this. And, and the thing that really I wanted to find was a way to share the joy of discovery, the joy of like figuring something out or learning something. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that as you're working on models of education or learning, maybe not education as much, but learning in the new world that might be a great metric to try to attain rather than, you know, learn this specific thing, attain a joy of discovery, whatever that, you know, whatever that mm. looks like having that as a goal, as a metric might be great. Maybe I'm just, you know, selfishly talking cause I love that stuff, but I think that's like, you know, we're always thinking about the metrics by which we ascertain whether or not we're doing what mm -hmm. we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And like, what about that as a metric? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, man. And um, one of the, gosh, this is going back a little ways ago, but um, I was a stand-up trainer um, and traveled, used to burn jet fuel to educate folks. You want know, to talk about like needing mm -hmm. some evolution in education. Um, but one of the... Um, one of the feedback pieces that we sent our <laughs> students after the training was like, did you experience an aha moment um, during this session? And could you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, so in, in, I've been working in customer education for a little bit and like metrics is something that we really, really try to identify, you know, maybe there's some kind of customer mm -hmm. satisfaction or like even, you know, a smiley frowny face at the end of the course or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think you're exactly right. Like what, 
was there something that you really could take away that you will remember that will always stick with you that joy of learning the one that comes back for me that i always remember my father was huge into nature and we used to um take little hikes and stuff like that and whenever mm-hmm. he'd hear a bird he'd stop he'd stop both of us and he'd say look there there's up there and that i can remember that i'm getting goosebumps right mm-hmm. now and just the excitement in his behavior and his voice that joy of teaching that joy of learning mm-hmm. capturing that moment you never forget that you know what i mean and that's really more important than that five out of five score so it's amazing how the universe has brought us together um and I don't, it sounds kind of cheesy to say that, but I, I do believe that that's true because our individual experiences have just kind of come together so well, uh, you know, and bringing us to this conversation. And I just wanted to point out another person that uh, I thought of, Adam, when you were speaking about, you know, those, those metrics or, you know, how do we judge what success is? And one of my mentors, a super powerful mentor that's that's come into my life. Her name is Lisa M.D. Owens, and I, I hope that she gets a chance to listen to this podcast, but she has been talking to me about how I and how we evaluate learning and talking about second level metrics and, you know, going beyond just simply mm-hmm. those, those numbers, which really don't say much at the end of the day. You know, it's, mm-hmm. are you going to do anything with this learning experience or have you done anything with it beyond just the fact that you have sat through this experience or participated in this session you know that there's a lot to be said about taking things to that next level authentically going there to that next level yeah yeah you know it's it's funny i think that as damani you were talking about birds and i this is something i sit in our kitchen which i am right now and look at the bird feeder with my daughter in particular when she was home during her pandemic year off, we would just sit here and I'd be like, that's what this bird is. And that's Mm -hmm. what this bird sounds like. And she, you know, it was just so much fun having her learn what the different birds are in the environment. And then one day she came downstairs and she's like, dad, dad, there's an, I'm in the middle of a meeting. There's a new blue bird. There's a new blue bird. (laughs) I like run upstairs and actually it was an indigo bunting, which is an extremely rare bird around here. And she was so excited to show it to me. And I know she'll remember that for the rest of her life. And, you know, one of the things nature, I think, is definitely one of those places where like to to talk about Anthony Bourdain, one of the things that I used to watch a ton was anything Richard Attenborough ever did. Mm -hmm. Anything, you know, the man just like I just loved everything he did. I mean, he's still alive, so I shouldn't say about him in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that what learning should be after all, you know, for each and every one of us, children and adults alike, you know, we, we go through this life and there's so many opportunities to learn new things that it's a shame for, for any of us not to have these moments on a continual basis, you know, to experience what it means to learn something new in this big world of ours. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, what we, what we've really been identifying here isn't like, Oh, you know, your daughter learned what a bird was, or like I learned where what a tree looks like. It's mm-hmm. the excitement to mm-hmm. learn. Like that's yeah. what really matters, you know. And when you know, rolling it back to the software world, you know, 
with any luck, your piece of software will never die. So it'll continue having new things rolling out, right. new features. So it's not about like, let me get this customer to care about this feature and let me get them mm-hmm. to use that feature. It's let me get them to care about learning about using the platform. Let me get them to care about, you know, we're going to be there for you whenever mm-hmm. you need to do X, Y, and Z, that sort of thing. But really care about learning, care about the connection um, that it makes in your life. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're taking me to... Uh a place sort of associated with some of my history doing neuroscience. And one of the things that I was always fascinated with is the idea of salience and, you know, things that are salient to people and things that are emotionally engaging to people. And I think that that's like, you know, the, the dystopic metaverse of Facebook, you know, I'm just going to say it, um, uses that to get you to engage more so that they can sell more of your data, basically. And, and it, you know, the emotional valence is often very negative. It doesn't matter. You're still engaged when you have that high emotional valence associated with anything or salience associated with something. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of, hey, let's use that power for good <laughs> seems yeah, really yeah. important to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was reading a book. I don't know if you guys have a uh heard of this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, he talks about breaking through creative barriers and really getting mm. to the point where you're doing your life's work or what you were meant to do um, mm. as an artist or a professional. And mm-hmm. you just brought up this point that that really struck a chord uh, for me because, yes, Facebook does understand salience and they take advantage of it and they they take advantage of that mental engagement. But Stephen Pressfield argues that 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 mental engagement that you're devoting to something like uh, social media is actually taking you away from mm-hmm. from achieving what you were meant to achieve, and mm-hmm. it, he calls it, uh, I think, resistance, or I forget the term, but essentially, the the war of art is a war of going away from those things that are taking you away from what you were meant to to do and it's a mm. difficult war to battle as an individual and if we can help others become engaged with things that are more aligned with their individual goals or what they're really interested in and what they were meant to do then we're really talking about changing the face of learning and potentially education at large yeah this is why I love talking with you, Locke, and with you, Adam, as well. I, I, I truly do learn new things every time I have a chance to meet with either of you. So now I've got a new book that I'm going to read. Um, but I think that, you know, everything that you just said there makes so much sense. And it's so important to me as an educator and just and also as as that geek that I mentioned a while ago. I mean, I think when we think about learning in... I, this this metaverse word that we've tossed around a lot. I wish I had a different word to use for it. But hmm. um, in that kind of mode, we have the ability to involve lots of other kinds of experiences. Maybe there's music. Maybe there's there's setting. You know, some sort of visual kinds of uh, experience or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the community that's all connected to this learning experience. And I think the more of those senses that you rope in and that you include into that experience, the more the people care about it, the more they want to go back, the more they'll remember it. Um, but yeah, I, I really love that book recommendation. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, and you know, this, this podcast itself is a perfect asset to <laughs> to put alongside everything else that we're talking about, right? Because 
you know, it, there is no silver bullet, but the solution to me is having a podcast, having video content, having written mm -hmm. content, and just experiencing it all without any constraints, without any procedures or protocol, you know, just, just experiencing things. And I hope that the folks that are listening uh, will feel the same way and come to really appreciate the fact that what, what Adam's done here is to create this avenue for learning. Yeah. Um, and it's a yeah. brilliant, uh, it's a brilliant concept. Thank so you. I appreciate that. I'm not sure how brilliant oh. it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not at all. Um, I'm not sure how brilliant it is, but I appreciate that. I, you know, it was funny as you were talking and we were discussing these ideas of learning and different sort of experiential modes of learning. You know, I was remembering back to when I was doing neuroscience and I had to learn a lot of different programming languages that I, I wasn't a programmer coming into it. You know, I had to figure out how to use these things and nobody was really there to help me. You know, they were just like, well, you'll figure it out. Um, and I had to reverse engineer a lot of things. And I remember when I was at the point of doing data analysis and I didn't really want to learn something new to do it. So uh, as, you know, as opposed to a lot of my colleagues, I used Excel to do a lot of my data analysis and I, <laughs> and I know exactly why. And this is why I said this to people at the time. I said, I like to see what happens to my numbers. I like to be able to visually look at the numbers. And if I use something like R that's scripted, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to see them. I like to see the numbers. I want to know, okay, when I did that to these numbers, this is what the outcome is. So I can know that I'm not messing them up, but also so that I have this feeling for numbers. I know that sounds weird, but like when I see numbers, I can sort of understand how they're related to one another. If I don't see them, I can't really do that. And so it's like all of those sort of beyond that, like, hey, you should use this because it's a better platform. Well, actually, right. this works for me because I need to be able to like visually manipulate the numbers. Right. And I think that's, that's awesome, man. That's such an exciting like observation there to me, because what you're saying there is you obviously had X number of programming languages you could have done that work in. You had another tool that was Excel that worked for you. That's what worked in your mind. And that's what mm -hmm. helped you be successful. And that's what we're really talking about here. Like, mm -hmm. let's make sure there are more tools available, more environments available for any number of ways that anybody wants and naturally is able to learn. Um, and the point there is that, you know, the satisfaction and the accomplishment that you achieved because you were able to use that tool that solved mm -hmm. that problem for you. That's what this is all about for me. And it actually drove me, to be honest, what it drove me to do was learn another language that would do a lot of my data analysis for me programmatically didn't alter the final numbers so that I could look at simpler numbers in Excel because I had written some code to do a bunch of the analysis ahead of time. So again, it's like an interesting sort of development of that where I want to be able to do this, but if I can make it easier for myself, I'm going to do that too. And if I have to learn something to do that, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. So um, Locke, what do you think about the future of the Beyond Zed Collaborative? Where do you think it's it might go? That is a great question. Uh, not sure I have an answer for you at this point, but okay. uh, I will say that I'm encouraged because our friend Damani here is going to be a big part of it, and we spoke about this last week. So nice. That in itself is a humongous step forward. Um, but you know, I. 
I have this thought that Beyond Zed could someday be a resource for folks internationally. You know, anyone mm-hmm. who's interested in augmenting a learning experience, changing and evolving a course, whether mm-hmm. that be K-12, higher ed, the corporate world. At this point, I would say that we have those bases covered to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to build on that thought leadership, hoping to create content against um, all that thought leadership so that we we do the things that we say others should do in the sense that we create mm-hmm. more podcasts, we have more engaging conversations, we have yeah. video content, we have written content, we place it in the metaverse and we live yeah. we live the the things that, that we say education and learning should become so that we serve as that that preeminent example of what you know learning should be or at least what where learning should go moving forward and and be that exemplar uh to folks out there in the world i love all of those things 100 support for me (laughs) (laughs) i love all the two it's also making me think of some other folks that i might want to talk to and and talk to you about maybe joining um yeah absolutely folks i know who are engaged in the sort of um we're engaged in some of that uh learning experience work for schools and that, you know, that, that's a, sounds like it's a very primary part of your charge is, you know, in your experience, the school model doesn't work for your kid. And so, you know, that's, that's, I I love that. That's a lot of your motivation, honestly, that to me just feels, it's not just heady and meaning heady in your head. It's also hearty. And I think Mm. that's where, the best stuff comes from that place. Yeah. I'd like to think that, um, you know, that she changed my life, uh, for the better. And, and this is, this is something 12 years in the making. She's, she's mm-hmm. grown up now, but, uh, I didn't realize when she was born that it would all lead to this and w- what we're talking about today. She should be the first board member. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, I the the thing that excites me about this and um, gives me the energy um, to keep doing this is like, I just keep thinking of all these positive folks, positive professionals that I know about and just would love to do in the first place, anything I can do to help them if there's any way that I can do that. But also just get the word out about them. Let people know about the great work that they do, whoever they might be. Maybe it's a fantastic kindergarten teacher that's been doing that job for 30 years, or maybe it's mm-hmm. an extremely gentle dentist that goes out of her way to take <laughs> care of her. I don't care. You know, that's also part of education. I think that this platform could be a great a great place to start talking about the positivity that's in the world and talk about a lot more of that. You know, there's a lot of negativity out there and negativity gets a lot of press, Mm -hmm. but um, Mm -hmm. you know, there is so much positivity throughout the world. And and I've just seen so much of it in these last few weeks um, as we've been talking about this lock. So really uh, enjoy this opportunity to continue this conversation with both of you. Well, I really want to thank both of you for, for coming on the podcast, for having, what always seems like a long conversation when you're when you think about it ahead of time and the time just flies by as it has. Um, and I love the idea, Damani, of bringing that, you know, positivity that you see in people that you know and that you care about into the world so other people can experience it because that's a kind of learning too, right? Learning that the positive 
side, learning that the things that bring you joy are more important than the things that bring you anger and despair. So I really love that idea. And, and I love the sort of heartfulness that both of you, you two, I hope myself and the other people I'm seeing is a part of the collaborative or bringing to it. I think it's pretty awesome. So thanks again for, for being on. Right on, Adam. Hopefully, hopefully we can do this again real soon. For sure. sure. Thanks so much, guys.